when you spend a lot of time focusing on something, uh, you begin to see patterns. Look long enough at an animal. Certain features begin to catch your eye. Read many novels, and it's not very long before you instinctively know how to put words together to make them poetic. Study stocks, and soon you'll begin to see some trends and some patterns that clue you in as to what the future might hold. That's, by the way, why casinos don't let mathematicians play for very long. Uh, they can count cards, notice patterns, and exploit them. Um, it's also what happens when a historian begins to prepare a biography. Luke, being a historian, had spent many years collecting the stories, stories about Jesus. He had been investigating the claims that folks had been making, some ordinary folks, some folks that were pretty important in the church, apostles. Men who gave their lives to follow this Christ. And as he's investigating the stories, as he's listening to eyewitness testimony, as he's putting together all the data, some patterns begin to emerge. Dr. Luke, the more he looks at Jesus, the more he sees pattern. No matter what happens, there's this undercurrent in the life of Christ that... God is faithful to fulfill his promises. And the undercurrent is so strong that you can even sense it before Christ is even born. In fact, it's so strong that even the life of his predecessor, John the Baptist, demonstrates this same pattern. Look with me in the Gospel of Luke chapter 1. We'll start reading in verse 57 if you'll stand. This is God's word. And sometimes when you read something as important as this, we need to take notice. And so we stand as we read the Word of God. Luke chapter 1, verses 57 through 66. These are God's words, and if you let them, they will change your life. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son, and her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child. And they would have called him Zechariah after his father. But his mother answered, no, he should be called John. And they said to her, none of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to his father inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, his name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately... His mouth was opened and his tongue loosed and he spoke, blessing God. And fear came on all their neighbors and all these things were talked about all through the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts saying, what then will this child be? For the land of the Lord, the hand of the Lord was with him. Pray with me. Father, I pray that your hand would also be with us as we study your word. Give us wisdom. Help us see the patterns that Luke sees and help them apply, help us apply them to our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. For Luke, this pattern of a, of a, of a promise being fulfilled by God would be something that he speaks of throughout his gospel and throughout the testimony in Acts. In fact, it's probably one of the most, one of the most important themes all through Luke's writings. That God fulfills his promises. 
And in this text this morning, I want us to look at how God is fulfilling his promises and what that means. Because it's not just great, God fulfills his promises, that's wonderful. See, that th- this is one of those things that a couple weeks ago I preached that there was one particular verse when when God through an, through the angel Gabriel is talking to Mary and tells her of what's going to happen and she doesn't understand how and she's trying to wrap her head around it and the angel explains that that she's going to have a son because it's the Holy Spirit that's going to conceive him that God is going to do the work in her to make it happen. Then the angel says one of the most important aspect, one of the most important things that nothing is impossible with God. And this is the type of thing that, that carries over into this idea of God fulfilling his promises. When we make a promise, we try to fulfill it, but we can't help it sometimes. Sometimes things happen. I went to go see Carrie one time. I was in college and I was going to go see her. My truck broke down on the way. Battery died, something. I can't even remember exactly what it was. She got mad at me. And I said, I can't help it. My truck died. <laughs> I was on my way and it died. I got my dad mad too because it was kind of late at night and he had to come get me and, and, and bring me back home. Uh, he wasn't very happy about that. But there are sometimes when we just can't fulfill our promises. Sometimes where we want to do it and we try to do it. But something happens that gets in our way and we just can't help it. But that doesn't happen with God. With God, he is perfectly capable and completely faithful to fulfill his promises. In fact, this passage gives us a couple of ways that God fulfills a promise. And the first is through the promise of a son fulfilled. Look at verses 57 and 58. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her and they rejoiced with her. Now, it's tempting just to read over this and thought, okay, all right, God promised them a son. They have a son. And just leave it at that. Elizabeth was pregnant. Time came. She gave birth. One thing that I want to remind you, though, look at Luke 1.13 again. Remember, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago when we talked about Zechariah. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. For your prayer has been heard. You see, this son was an answer to prayer. And and I don't think this is just one prayer. I think this is many prayers. And I don't think it's just Zachariah's prayer. Elizabeth was praying. Zachariah was praying. I guarantee you they had some friends. You know the type of people I'm talking about. The kind of people that seem to move heaven every time they talk to God. Those prayer warrior types that, that they've got wore out spots on the floor where they pray so much. The type that can't keep a good pair of pants because they keep wearing out the knees from praying so much. My boys wear out the knees on their pants, but it ain't from praying. But there's some people that you just can't stop them. I mean, they, I, I don't know. I, I know a few folks like that. I know one woman especially who's like that. That is just incredible. And, and man, if I want, if I want anybody praying for something, it's her. These are many prayers spoken in many days. And this son was going to be an answer to those prayers. The angel said, this son, I, I, God's heard your prayer and he's answering your prayer. And this son was going to be an answer to that prayer. Okay. But it's not just the promise. 
It's not just that God said, you know, I've heard your prayers. I'm answering your prayers. You're going to have a son. I know you've been desperate to have a son. You're going to have a son. It's that he was barren, but it's also that he actually fulfills it. Remember, Elizabeth was old, very old, like too old to have babies old. Ask any obstetrician and they'll tell you that when a woman is a little bit older, even into her 40s, that there is a lot more risk in pregnancy. The likelihood of miscarriage skyrockets when the mother is age 40 or above. Um, Birth defects are a lot more common. Down syndrome and other things happen a lot more in babies of older mothers. Babies are also more likely to be born premature, to be born with low birth weight, many other factors. The mother is more likely to have complications like um, gestational diabetes, that, that can affect the child. All of this is to say that a baby later in life is a risky proposition. That's what's so amazing about verse 57. Here you have a woman that's way too old to have a baby, having a baby and not only having a baby, but having a healthy and doubtless beautiful baby boy. Don't miss the miracle. God not only fulfills the promise, he does it miraculously. There's no reason that this should ever happen except God wants it to. And he makes sure it happens. We often see God's promises as God says he does it and then he does it. But how many times do we have to go through the gestation of God's promises? How many times does it take a while before the promise is actually fulfilled? How many times do we have to have pain, suffering? How many times do we have to endure to the point where God finally fulfills that promise? Pregnancy is is great in the end result, but it's tough to get there. Some of y'all know. Some of y'all know because you've had to deal with someone who knows. We all see, we all recognize that a pregnancy isn't just a momentary thing. It takes a while to happen. And it's through that time, through that period of time, that God is working and doing in Elizabeth's womb to bear John. Don't miss this. The promise often comes through a process. And if God has promised, if you know that God is going to do something, He is not just going to make it happen at the clap of a hand or a snap of a finger. It doesn't automatically happen just because God says it. It's a process. Some of us think, well, just give me what you promised. Just hurry up. That's not the point. I firmly believe God often calls us to carry the promise to term. And sometimes that means it's hard. Sometimes it means, well, Elizabeth didn't just have the baby. She carried the baby. She experienced morning sickness. She felt the aching back, the false alarms of Braxton Hicks contractions. She went through that. And all of those things, all of the things that come along with bearing a child, all leading to the fulfillment of the promise. I wonder if God's made a promise to you and you're just waiting for him to hand it to you on a silver platter, not even recognizing the process that he's putting you through to bring it about. I'm firmly convinced that most of the time, God works over long periods of time, not just because he wants to do what he wants to do, but just so that when we see it fulfilled, we'll recognize his glory and give him the praise he deserves. Some of you... Don't kill your kids because it took you too much to get them. I worked too hard for you to be here 
for me to kill you, but I, 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 I'm, I'm really starting to wonder. But in all seriousness, sometimes God puts us through the process to make it work. Sometimes God gives us the promise only through the pregnancy. And that's a beautiful thing. Are you willing to carry the future blessing even if it's hard? And even if it takes a while before it's fully birthed? Not only do we see the promise of a son fulfilled, we see what often happens in God's promises. Uh, Sometimes when he makes a promise, he does it just because he's God and he can do it. And so he's going to make it happen because it's his will. But sometimes he uses our obedience in the process. And so we have the command of a name obeyed. Now, what I mean by this is, do you remember when when Zechariah is talking to Gabriel and Gabriel says, you're going to call his name John? That was a command. That wasn't an option. That wasn't a, may I suggest the name? You know, some of us, when we find out someone's pregnant, we want to throw out names. It's like, oh, it'd be great if you named the kid this. Oh, I think this is a beautiful name. They don't have that option. They're not flipping through name books saying, saying, what should we call our child? They're not doing a, a, a Facebook poll to see which name people like better. They're given the name. His name's John. And they, when the baby is born, make sure that they obey that command. Look in verses 59 and following. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child. This was normal in Jewish tradition. The child is born. The idea is on, on the first seven days, the seven days of creation, right? God creates. On the seventh day, they rest. And then the eighth day is like the, the beginning of the new week, right? It, it's kind of the, the start of the new life. Now that everything has been made, the eighth day just kind of symbolizes that, that beginning. And so God told Abraham, on the eighth day, you and your son, your, all your sons and, and, and your descendants will be circumcised. This is how they become part of the covenant. This is how they put themselves into God's people. If you want to be a member of God's chosen nation, you do it by circumcision on the eighth day. And so that's what they do here. They go to, and, and this is a priest and his wife. Of course they're going to do this, right? They're just, they're just following suit. So on the eighth day, they come to circumcise the child. They is probably the relatives and, and the neighbors who are around who have been celebrating the birth. Now they come to circumcise the child and they would have called him Zachariah after his father. You see, I, I think they wanted to honor this priest who uh, had had quite an experience. They don't know about the angel. But they do know he ain't taught since he went in the temple that day. I mean, he left, went to Jerusalem to fulfill his duty. He came back silent. Some scholars think he was deaf. But regardless of that, whether he was or not, he wasn't talking. Something had happened. And this godly man who is known for his piety is now completely silent for nearly a year. And they want to bestow some honor on him and name the son after him. But his mother answered no. He shall be called John. Is there anything wrong with the name Zachariah? No, nothing wrong with it, but it's not the boy's name. See, the angel said, name him John. So they're going to name him John. And they said to her, none of your relatives is called by that name. That's not a family name. Where are you getting that name from? They don't understand. They don't know about the angel. Surely Zachariah expressed the angel's command to his wife. Now she's obeying God's command, but the people didn't know about all that. 
They didn't know about Gabriel's talk. All they knew is that he went away talking. He came back not talking. She's been, she's been hidden in the house for the last nine months. Had some visitors in and out. Now suddenly they've got a baby. What in the world is going on? They want to call him Zachariah, but Mama says, no, his name's John, and they don't even know where she came up with that name. This is just weird. So they turn to Zechariah. Verse 62. They made signs to his father, inquiring what he wanted him to be called. Mama's word wasn't good enough, so they go to Dad. And so he says, give me a tablet. And he asked for a writing tablet. This would have been a block of wood with some wax on it. This is not an iPod. Block of wood with wax, and he would write on it, and he wrote, his name is John. There's no debate, no question. By the way, you know what John means? Yahweh gives grace. That's exactly what his life would demonstrate, isn't it? God giving grace through the arrival of the long-awaited Messiah. It would be the pinnacle of his faithfulness to fulfill his promises, and John would lead the way for him to come. No, this child could not be named anything else. His name was John. And it's amazing what happened. Because right after this act of obedience, God works again. And this time, it's the promise of a blessing anticipated. Verse 64, and immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed. And he spoke, blessing God. And fear came on all their neighbors. And all these things were talked about through the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. Now that the priest who doubted God had fully obeyed him, God would restore his ability to speak. Now imagine, you can't talk for a year almost. What are you going to say when you suddenly can talk again? I'm sure he had had a long time to think about his words. And we'll look at just what he said next week. But I want you to notice the general message. He was blessing God. You see... He had seen firsthand that God was able to fulfill his promises. He'd seen it because he had done so. You look back and you can see long, long time ago, God fulfilling his promises to somebody way over there, somebody you've never met in the country you've never been to, in a time far, far removed from your own. It may as well be a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. It may as well be a Hollywood movie. It may as well not even be a true story because it's so far disconnected from your personal experience. But when you see God actually fulfill his promise to you, when you see God act in your life, it's a totally different story, isn't it? Because it's no longer them way over there, something that's far, far away. Someone that you've never known in a country you've never been. That, that, that's too disconnected. When you see God act in your life, in the life of someone you know, when you've seen the results of Him fulfilling His promises, the only thing you can do is bless God. And that's exactly what He does this for. God is after one thing. He's made us for one thing. He works in our history and in our lives for one thing, and it is to bring Himself glory. Nothing else. It's not because you're awesome and he wants you on his team. It's because he deserves all the glory and honor and praise. And if we are doing what we should do, it's giving him praise. Because that's what he's called us to do. That's what he's created us to do. And when he acts in our life, it gives us the perfect opportunity to recognize and praise him like he deserves. And that's exactly what Jeremiah does. In fact, the name of this hymn 
that he spontaneously speaks, this prophecy that he gives is called the Benedictus, praise. That's because it's the first word in Latin. But that's exactly what he's doing. He's praising God, and rightfully so, because God has fulfilled his promise. The birth of the son and the loosing of his tongue served not only to prove the angel's words about God hearing their prayers, they also served as proof positive that, that Zachariah could bank on God fulfilling his promises. We too, we today, not just them back then, not just someone a long time ago in a place far away that, that, that we'll never know and we've never been and all of that kind of stuff, but we today, we can trust God. We can trust him to fulfill his promises. How do I know that? Because he does so time after time after time after time. Look at the life of Abraham. I'll make your descendants as far as numerous as the sand on the shore, as the stars in the sky. Anybody counting stars or sand lately? Anybody count Abraham's descendants lately? What about David? I'm going to make you king. What about the prophets? I told you before. 97% of Old Testament prophecy has already been fulfilled. 97%. And of the stuff that ain't been fulfilled yet, I'm pretty sure that's going to be too. I mean, so far he's batting a thousand. I wouldn't bet against him. God hasn't changed since Luke's day. He hasn't changed since the days of Abraham. He hasn't changed at all. Not one bit. He is still faithful and we can still trust him just as Elizabeth and Zechariah learned to trust him in first century Judea. He is a God who's true to his word and we can put complete confidence that what he says will come to pass. This elderly couple wasn't the only ones who were captivated by God's activity. They weren't the only ones. Look at the relatives and neighbors. They get in fear. This isn't the cower away because you're about to get destroyed. This is more of the, I can't believe what I just saw. That awe that comes from seeing God work. If you hear a lion roar, You know you better take them seriously. When you see the Lion of Judah roaring from heaven, it's okay to have deer in the headlights kind of look. They were so in awe they couldn't stop talking about it. The word spread all over the region. Did you hear about Zechariah? Yeah, he 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 was doing work at the temple and, and then he couldn't talk anymore. Yeah, 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 I already know about all that. Yeah, but did you hear he talked? They had a baby and Zechariah talked. What did he say? Oh, he was praising God. You should have heard it. It sounded like a hymn. It sounded like something that one of the poets would have written in the Psalms. He recounted how, how God had done all these great things in history and how God was promising the Messiah and how his son would be part of that promise that God would fulfill. Did you, did you hear about it? Word spread all over the place. The grapevine was kicking with that news. Man, they were going crazy. What is, what kind of child is this? And this was just the forerunner. Imagine once they hear from some shepherds. Imagine when they hear the news, there's another baby born. What's obvious to us, but it wasn't as obvious to them. They knew something was afoot. But what Luke makes obvious to us is that that hand of God was with John. Luke said he would be filled with the Holy Spirit. Here he talks about the hand, that hand, that that same mighty hand that God used to fashion the universe, that same mighty hand that God brought his people out of slavery in Egypt, that same mighty hand that picked up prophets and moved them all over the place. 
Ezekiel is sitting by a river in Babylon. Next thing he knows, he's getting dragged all the way back to Jerusalem by the hand of God, the same hand of God that fed Elijah, who was running away scared for his life after defeating the prophets of Baal, and the queen is coming after him. The same hand that gives him food, same hand would be on John. What kind of child is this? And he's just the forerunner. You see, God is faithful to fulfill his promises. And because God's faithful, we can trust him. Do you trust him? Pattern's clear. He's faithful. He promised. He'll deliver. Some things he does in spite of us. Some things he does near us or around us. Some things he does through us. Do you trust him enough to be a willing participant in his will? Are you willing to put all your eggs into his one basket? Are you willing to give yourself completely to him? I'm going to be up here at the front if you are. I'd love to help you know how to follow this God who's faithful to fulfill his promises. Let's pray. Father, this is your time. You do as you will. Lord, if there's someone here who needs to know you, someone who may have seen afar off, who may have heard the stories from long ago, but who's never known personally your saving power, God, I pray that they would come. There's someone who has been here a while, They know you, but they haven't been willing to join in this church. Father, I pray that you would remove the barriers. They already know this is a great family. Lord, help them make it official. Lord, for those that just need your help, they're living life, they're they're trying to do good, but sometimes it's just hard to see past the morning sickness. Sometimes it's hard to get over the, the pain and the suffering and the anguish. And they just need to trust you to bring your promises to fruition. Lord, in this period of the gestation of your promises for them, I pray they would renew their faith in you. No more doubt or wonder or fear, but trust you. God, you do the work in us while we sing this verse of invitation. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.